Well, to wish all of you a very pleasant uh, Sunday morning. Thank you for coming and being here with us. As has already been mentioned, we do have some that are visiting with us this morning, and we are certainly glad that you have chosen to come and to worship God with His people here. Among those who are visiting with us this morning are a couple of uh, visitors that are near and dear to our family. Uh, Karen Darnell and her son Caden have come uh, to visit us from Kentucky for a few days. Uh, Karen was a member of the church that we uh, spent many years working with in E-Town. And uh, she is just a, a delight to be around, just a true Christian in every sense of the word. And I hope that you will be able to, to meet her this morning. We also have uh, Robert and Tina uh, Blount that are here with us and their little one. And we are glad to see them and to uh, see their uh, baby that's a few months old, I guess, now. But it certainly is just a wonderful day for us to gather together as God's people to offer our praise and our worship, our devotion unto Him as our good and great God. I would assume that most, if not all of us in the audience this morning, at least those of us who are of some age, have goals for our lives. Whether it is a family goal maybe that we have, maybe it is a financial goal that we are striving for, it may be a fitness goal, it may be a goal that is of an academic nature, or maybe it is a career goal, some place or position or work that we are trying to achieve in our work, in our career. The fact is that we all set and pursue goals, and we all set and pursue goals for people that are important for us, for our family. And we set and pursue goals that are important, that, that are for things that are important to us as well. And so it must also be in our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. While there are a number of worthwhile goals for us as Christians to pursue, I would suggest to you that one of our main goals must be to mature in Jesus Christ. And so this morning we want to think about what I would call two big picture points in Scripture that are related to this common thought this morning of pursuing the goal of maturity in Christ. The first of those points and the first passage that I want us to go to is the passage that our brother Todd read for us as we began our assembly several minutes ago. So you might turn back in your Bible to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to focus here on the verses that he read at the very end of this opening chapter in this book, verses 24 through 29. And as we think about pursuing the goal of maturity in Christ, I would say to you, first of all, that that is, I believe, the goal of gospel preaching and teaching. Here again, the words of the Apostle Paul as he spoke about this particular matter, beginning at verse 24. He says, "'Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake.'" And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested in his saints." to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. 
For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. As the Apostle Paul was writing to the church here at Colossae, he is writing about himself at this particular point and telling them or reminding them perhaps of uh, what his mission was in life, why Jesus Christ had called him. And he says in these few verses that we just read that God had given him a stewardship. He describes it that way, that this was uh, something that he was to manage, if you will, and to manage well for the Lord. He says that God had given him a ministry, that is, that God had given him an area of service in his kingdom. And that particular stewardship or ministry, of course, was preaching the word of God. As he describes here in these few verses, it was revealing or making known that which was once hidden, revealing the mystery, proclaiming Christ, and especially proclaiming the message about Christ to those who were Gentiles. You might remember in your mind all the way back to Acts chapter 9 when uh, Paul or Saul at that particular point was traveling to Damascus to persecute Christians, to uh, lock Christians up in jail, maybe even to kill Christians. And you remember that that bright light shone on him and he was blinded for three days and the Lord spoke to him and the Lord sent Ananias, a disciple, to tell him what his mission was going to be. And basically, the Lord through that man Ananias said to the apostle who would become the apostle Paul, that you're going to proclaim my name to your people, to the Jews, but also to Gentiles, and I'm going to show you how much you will suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul is just recounting here what his mission was as he was speaking to these Christians in Colossae. But as Paul was doing the mission, accomplishing the mission that Christ had given him, as he was out there proclaiming Christ, he says at verse 28, that he was admonishing every man, that he was teaching every man, and he was doing that with one goal in mind. Notice his goal is found there at the end of verse 28. Why is Paul proclaiming Christ? Why is Paul admonishing or gently warning those who may be going astray? Why was Paul devoted, devoting his life to teaching every person that he could the wisdom of God? He says at the end of that verse, so that we may present every man, every person, complete or perfect, I think Todd's version that he read from this morning, mature is the idea here in Christ. While Paul was certainly accomplishing, I think, other goals in his preaching and teaching, his ultimate goal, he's saying to this church, was to bring people to completeness in Christ. It wasn't that he was just filling time on a Sunday morning, <laughs> It wasn't that he was just, as he wrote all these letters that we have recorded for us in the New Testament, uh, just trying to fill as many pages as he could in his scroll or in his book as he wrote each of these New Testament epistles. No, his goal, his aim as he was preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ, as he was admonishing people with the word of God, he always, it seemed to me, kept in mind this particular goal that he wanted pe to bring people to completeness or maturity in Christ. That process, I believe, was even going on as he was traveling around the world as he did throughout his earthly ministry, and he was taking the gospel to places that the gospel had not yet been, as he was bringing those who were outside of Christ to know Jesus Christ into the body of Christ, that they could be a part of his church, that Paul was keeping in mind that particular goal that, yes, this is a starting point for them, 
But he was looking at their potential. He was looking down the road and saying that I want them at one point in their life to be complete in Christ. And that also continued when he brought those who were in Christ's body to spiritual completion. As he went around the world and as he taught the gospel of Christ and many people, probably thousands upon thousands of people in all different places from all different languages and cultures and backgrounds, they all heard the word of God, the word of Christ, and they all believed and obeyed that gospel and they were made Christians. They were a part of Christ's body that Paul had the opportunity himself to go back and visit some of those churches, to strengthen those churches, to encourage those brethren, to help them along in their walk with Christ. And so whether this great apostle was preaching to or teaching sinners or saints, I believe his goal was always the same, what he states here in Colossians 1 and verse 28. And that is to help people reach maturity in Christ. Notice he says, as you continue looking at this passage here in Colossians chapter 1 at verse 29, as if there's any doubt in our mind what Paul's goal was in doing the work that Christ had given him to do. He says to us again at verse 29, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. That, that Paul was, had devoted himself completely to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. He had devoted himself completely to admonishing every person and teaching every person to bringing every person to maturity in Jesus Christ. This was his purpose. The New King James Version says here at verse 29, to this end. That to me sounds like Paul had a goal in mind. That to me sounds like he had an, something that he was aiming at. And whatever he was talking about, whether he was reasoning from the old scriptures with the Jews and synagogues and different cities where he went, whether he was talking as he did in Acts 17 to those who were in the city of Athens who didn't even know about Jehovah God, our creator, whatever audience he was addressing, whatever part of the scripture he was describing or preaching or teaching at that particular point, it seems to me that he always had this goal in mind. He was laboring with every fiber of his being to present every person complete in Christ. As Paul preached and as he taught the gospel, and even as he prayed for his brethren, it seems to me that Paul kept this goal in mind. I want you to just notice a, a couple of examples of this, of many that we could cite this morning. First of all, from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 2 Corinthians 13, I notice what Paul says as he is ending this particular letter to these brethren. They had had a whole lot of problems, hadn't they? When he addressed them in the first letter, it seems when he came to the second letter that they had corrected some of those things. They had grown. They had matured. They had a long way still to go, but they were in that process of maturing in Christ. But notice what Paul says at 2 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 9. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you be made complete. For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. Notice verse 11 again as he's giving some final instructions. He says, finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. To this disjointed congregation that we read about in 
the first letter that was very immature. And Paul even says to them in 1 Corinthians 3, you might remember the first couple of verses there, he says that, that I can't even talk to you as spiritually minded people. I'm having to address you as fleshly minded because you're still babes in Christ. You're still carnally minded, worldly minded, fleshly minded. They needed to grow up in a lot of areas. And to me, that seems to be kind of at the core of all of those different issues that he addresses there in 1 Corinthians. At the core of all those issues is they were spiritually immature. They desperately needed to grow in Christ. And Paul was hoping, he was praying that they would do that. He wanted them to be complete in Christ. Uh, those who were here on Wednesday nights last quarter in the uh, auditorium class, Brother Allen was uh, Alan Blaylock was leading us in a, a really good study of First and Second Thessalonians. This church, compared to the church at Corinth, seemed to have, have it more together, we might say. There don't seem to be a whole lot of issues or a whole lot of problems here. They, they seem to be a, a mature congregation in many ways. But even for a mature church, uh, notice what Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. He says, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts without blame and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Several times, especially in 1 Thessalonians, Paul would say to these brethren, you're already doing this, this particular thing. You're already loving one another. You're already comforting one another. You're already encouraging one another. But keep doing that. Keep growing in that. Keep increasing, abounding. Don't, don't stop where you are right now. No, he wanted them to continue to grow to the point that this congregation as a whole, these individual Christians could be complete in Christ. That seemed to be the thought that he always had in mind, whether he was working with those outside the body of Christ or whether he was working with those who make up the body of Christ. What about for us today? Uh, you may be thinking as you're sitting there this morning that I know Brent is an evangelist here. He and Leah, by the way, are in Mississippi today uh, looking for a place to, to live as they'll be moving uh, there to the Jackson area in a few months. But you may be sitting here thinking, well, I, I, I don't preach. <laughs> and I'm still learning this congregation, uh, but I have come to learn in the last three months that there are a number of uh, men here who have preached in the past or do preach on occasion. And that is certainly a good thing. And for those of us who preach, we need to ask ourselves the question, do we preach whatever lesson it is, whatever text or topic that we are dealing with from Scripture, do we preach with this goal in mind that Paul seemed to always have in his mind of helping our fellow Christians to mature in Christ? Is that, that, that may not always be stated in every lesson that we present from the Bible, but is that thought running through our mind about if I'm talking about marriage, if I'm talking about worship, if I'm talking about godly living every day as a Christian in this world, that, that we're doing so with the aim or the goal of helping everyone who is receiving that message to grow to completion in Christ. We have are blessed in this congregation with a number of good Bible class teachers. And for those of us who teach, do we teach with the goal of bringing each other to maturity in Christ? 
Even for those among you, especially women who are teaching our young children. Do you have that goal in mind to help even our young kids? I mean, even children that perhaps can't even read yet. With the goal in mind of, yes, bringing them to Christ so that they become a Christian, but not just stopping the process there, but really beginning the process. And we even have in mind as we're teaching two and three and four and five-year-olds that we want them one day to make the decision to follow Christ, but not just to follow Him, but to come to the point in their life one day where they are complete in Christ. You know, we've begun a new quarter uh, of class studies in our class curriculum here today. And I know that there are a number in this audience that are teaching classes this, this quarter. Have we thought about that as we've been preparing our lessons or preparing our classes? Even for all of us, as we live as Christians each day, as we're out there in the world teaching non-believers, whether we're doing that in a formal setting or an informal setting, are we teaching them with the goal of bringing them to Christ so that one day they will reach maturity? Are we just kind of interested in, in sometimes it's been said, getting them wet, <laughs> uh, dunking them in, in water and baptizing them for the forgiveness of their sins, and then we kind of leave them alone? We're, we're really involved in that process, but we're not too much involved in the process of bringing them along to maturity in Christ. Listen, as we admonish, as we urge, as we encourage, as we instruct one another with the gospel of Christ, our goal always ought to be to bring our brother or sister to maturity in Christ. And so I believe the goal of, or the purpose of preaching and teaching and admonishing one another, as Paul states here in this passage, is to present every person complete in Christ. That's not only the goal, I believe, of gospel preaching and teaching, but that ought to be the goal of Christ's body. If you go to the book of Ephesians for just a moment in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 11. Notice what the apostle writes here. He says that he, and I take that as being Christ, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ." from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I believe in this text Paul is, is explaining to us, he is informing us as to why Christ designed his body in the way that he did. And he says to us at the verse where we began this morning at verse 11, that Christ in His infinite wisdom as God, that He saw fit to give some members of His body some very specific roles to fill, some very specific work to do. He mentions several of those gifts, if you will, or roles or functions at verse 11, that He gave some as apostles, that He gave some as prophets or messengers of God, that He gave some as evangelists, some as pastors, 
and teachers. Sometimes maybe when we're discussing this particular text with our religious friends, we may very quickly point out to them, well, we don't have apostles today in the Lord's church. We don't have prophets today. But we have evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I think I know what we mean when we say that sometimes. But if you think about the body of Christ as being all of those who are God's people of all time, we, we don't have those on earth, I don't believe today. I, I believe the apostles that age has passed. And those who are prophets in the sense of being able to foretell uh, some uh, prophecy, some promise of God that's going to come true in the future, in that sense of the word prophet, we don't have those men on earth today. But if you look at, at these functions or gifts that, are, that Paul mentions here in verse 11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that, that might seem to be a very diverse uh, group of, of individuals in the Lord's church. But I would say to you, maybe Paul picked those particular gifts because of what he says to us here in this text that we're focusing on this morning. Because all of them in some way have the role of teaching and preaching, proclaiming the Word of God. Apostles were those who were sent forth to carry the good news about Christ to the world. Prophets, again, they could tell you about things that were going to come to pass dozens or hundreds or even thousands of years in the future because God was revealing those things to them. But they also had the function of being a messenger of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Certainly when we think about evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their primary role or function to the church is that of teaching and preaching the Word. And so Paul says here that Christ has given evangelists, pastors, and teachers today, whether that phrase, pastors and teachers, is talking about elders who specifically devote themselves to teaching a lot or whether he's thinking just about teachers there. I don't think it matters for the point that we're making this morning. But he's saying that he gave, has given evangelists, pastors and teachers this work of doing what? When we come to verse 12, he says it is for the equipping of the saints. It is perfecting every saint to serve in the body of Christ so that the body of Christ as a whole, he says, is built up so that every saint who is a member of that particular body grows to maturity in Christ. Notice verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, until we all attain to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He says, again, that, that, is, that ought to be the goal, that ought to be the aim. That ought to be the target to which we are aiming for and shooting and striving. Is that every saint, every Christian would grow to maturity in Christ. Listen, when evangelists, pastors, and teachers are are putting the right tools. Maybe some of you are good at working with tools. That's not really my uh, forte at all. I mean, I have some tools in my garage, <laughs> uh, but, but I'm, I'm, that, that's just not the way God designed me. But if you work with tools, if you have a job that you're going to do, a project, something that you're going to build, the very first thing you need to do in order to, to build or complete that project is you need to have the right tools, Right? Without the right tools, doesn't, doesn't matter how, how much your mind works in that direction, how smart you are about building things or, or drawing some, uh, coming up with designs or concepts for things. If you don't have the right tools, you're not going to succeed. 
So again, Christ has not left us alone. In His body, His church, He has given us these gifts, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And when those functions or gifts are putting the right tools into every saint's hands, and every saint, as he says here in this text, is doing the work of service, then guess what? He gives us the result, the beautiful result, is that the body as a whole is going to be built up. We're going to be complete. We're going to be working toward perfection, maturity. And everyone in Christ's body will become a mature person. I don't know all all the reasons why God designed the church. I mean, we can read about some of those in Scripture, but I don't presume to know God's mind unless He's revealed it. But I believe one reason Christ's church exists is for us to help each other in that process. It is to help each other come to maturity in Christ. But guess what? In order for every member of his body to reach maturity in Christ, he or she must be growing. For some, it may just be very, very small steps that a Christian here or there is taking toward looking more like Christ and being complete in Christ. For others, they, they, they may grow by leaps and bounds, as we say sometimes. But we all must be growing. We are all, again, notice the words of Paul here at verse 15. He says that we're all to be growing up in all aspects into Him who is our head, even Christ. And when every part is doing his or her part, notice again the beautiful result here at verse 16. According to the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That when we're all doing our part, we may sometimes think, you know, I can't do very much. I mean, I can't get up and publicly preach to an audience of several hundred people. I I can't fill in the blank, and this kind of goes back to Brother White's uh, comments in the nine o'clock session. But we can all do something, can't we? I mean, what he was encouraging us to do, even as we have, many of us in this country, have been blessed financially to use that blessing, that gift, if you will, not just to please ourselves and to build bigger houses and to drive newer cars, and to expand our barns, as it were. But to use those blessings to further the gospel of Christ, to help Christians that we may not even know in this life, around, halfway around the world, to help them become complete in Christ. And we may think that just writing a check or, or sending, wiring money to another country that we're not doing very much that we physically ought to be there teaching those people, helping those people, encouraging them. And if we have the opportunity and ability to do that, that's what we ought to do. But that is very much a gift that God has given. And we need to be making use of that gift. I want you to notice here in this text that we're looking at in Ephesians chapter 4, notice the connection that Paul is making between our knowledge of Christ and his teaching and our maturity in Christ. Again, verse 13, he says, This is the goal, this is the aim until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Verse 14, he paints this picture that we're, we're all to get to the point where we're not tossed here and there. Maybe, the, maybe he's thinking of you know, being on a ship out at sea and just that the winds and the waves are whipping that ship all around. And it's just going in all different directions. And, and you really don't have an aim. You don't have a goal. 
You, you don't know where you're going and when you're going to get there, you don't know if this is a place or not. For us to mature in Christ, we have to know Christ. We have to be growing in the Word. We have to be growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we are all to be working toward that point where we have a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. We all ought to be working to the point as Christians where His thinking becomes our thinking. How do we know the mind of Christ? Well, we can look in this book, can't we? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2 and says, we are to have this same mind which was in Christ Jesus. It's when his thinking becomes our thinking. It's when his character becomes our character. It's where the teaching of Jesus Christ becomes our living. And we are no longer children spiritually speaking. I want you to notice again as we look at some things that Paul wrote this time in the first letter to the church at Corinth, just very quickly, just some very quick statements here. Uh, notice what Paul wrote to this very immature church. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we obviously think of as being the chapter of love, he says at verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. At chapter 14 and verse 20, Paul wrote this. He says, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. And then from chapter 16, almost at the very end of this letter, he says to them again and encourages and admonishes them, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. He doesn't say act like children. He says, act like men, act like those who are full grown in Christ. You need to grow up in Christ. Those of us who are parents, and even if you aren't a parent, I mean, if you notice little children, uh, ch children, I, I don't know, for some reason, I don't post a whole lot on Facebook, but uh, of, of the posts that I put on Facebook, if I put anything on there about my kids, I mean, it's just like, it's like a magnet, <laughs> It just draws comments and, and attention from, from everyone, it seems. Because for the most part, I think we hear adults, we just, we love children. And while children have a, a lot of admirable traits that are worthy of our imitation, let me tell you, parents, and I'm saying this to myself, we probably need to be watching our kids and we can learn a lot of lessons just about God from our kids teaching us that. Lots of admirable traits that children had. Even Jesus himself set little children down and said, unless you are like these little children, you can't be a part of my kingdom. But children are immature. They're not full grown. They are still growing toward adulthood. And so Paul was encouraging this immature church here at Corinth. He was saying, don't be like little children in this regard. Do not be immature. Act like men. Grow up. Be like Christ. And that admonition, I believe, remains true for us today. In the body of Christ, we are to help each other to reach spiritual adulthood. Yes, as we just read from Ephesians chapter 4, it, it is to be the, the primary focus for those who are evangelist pastors and teachers to help bring those who are like children, immature spiritually to spiritual maturity. 
But it's a work I believe that all of us need to be involved in. So we need to be helping each other to reach spiritual adulthood where we are all, if you go back to that passage in Ephesians 4 and verse 14, where we are all spiritually stable. We're not all over the map, spiritually speaking. We're not tossed about by every wind of doctrine. We need to be helping each other to reach the point where we are all growing up in Christ. Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 4 again, Paul says, we are to speak the truth in love. And this is an instruction he's giving to us in the body of Christ. We are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You need to be asking yourself this question as I'm asking myself this morning. Am I growing to maturity in Christ? If you're a part of this congregation here at Fairview Park, are are you just content to come and sit on a, a seat for a few hours each week? Is this the only time that you open the Word of God or you think about spiritual things? Is is this the only time that you receive encouragement from your brethren or you give encouragement to your brethren or edify your brethren or edified yourself? We need to all seriously examine our lives and ask, am I growing to maturity in Christ? Am I doing my part in Christ's body to help every other part grow? (laughs) To help every other Christian mature to the point that they are complete in Christ? Because I'm suggesting to you this morning that the ultimate goal of Christ's body is for all of us to reach maturity in Christ. We're all on different points in that journey, aren't we? But we all need to be striving for that goal, aiming for that goal so that we can hit our target. Reaching maturity in Jesus Christ must be our goal as God's children. However, like many worthwhile goals that we have in life, whether they are career goals, academic goals, family goals, financial goals, fitness goals, whatever it is, it's not going to come easily. And it's going to take a daily diligence on each of our parts as members of this congregation here. It's not going to come quickly. It's going to be something that will be a lifetime pursuit for us. And we have to continue to pursue that goal in order to achieve that goal. But as members of Christ's body, I'm telling you this morning, this must be my goal. This must be your goal. This must be our goal. And so let's pursue this most worthwhile of goals with all of our might this week. Let's not only see to the business of growing in Christ ourselves, but as we have opportunity to do that, help each other as brothers and sisters, members of Christ's body, to be growing in Him as well. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer and then we'll close our sermon. Our good and gracious God and Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you are our God. We're so thankful that you are pleased to call us your children. We're thankful, Father, that by your mercy and grace, your patience, your goodness, your faithfulness to us, that we have been redeemed from our sins, that we have been reconciled to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you in your infinite wisdom that you have designed your church that belongs to your son. We thank you, Father, that you have given us the plan, the blueprint by which we can follow to honor you, to please you, not only individually, but collectively. 
And we're thankful that you have given us instructions in your word as to how important it is for us to be growing up in your son Jesus, that we can be complete in him. Father, help us in that endeavor as individuals. Help us in that work collectively as a congregation. Help us to be more aware this week of our failures and our weaknesses and to look for ways that we can grow closer to you, that we can look more like your son. Help us to be more aware this week of our brothers and sisters in the Lord that may be struggling or that may need our help in some way to grow up in you. And please bless us in all of those efforts so that we can, can uh, be the people that you have called us to be, that we can truly be a body of your people that love you, that love your word, that love lost souls, and that we can all strive for that goal. Help us in that this week. We know that our enemy Satan will be working against us, so give us the, the strength, the wisdom, the courage, the energy that we need to say no to him and to say yes to you. We are thankful for this congregation here and for the, the maturity spiritually that we have, and we pray that we would not keep that to ourselves, but that would go forth from us and that we might be able to be lights in this dark world. All these things we ask through your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're not in Christ this morning, you need to start that journey. And this is a good opportunity for you to do that. You need to be concerned about coming to Christ and being a Christian, a follower of his. If we can help you to do that this morning, we certainly stand ready, however we can, to help you as a child of God. It may be that you're weak, that you're slipping, that you feel like you're regressing in Christ rather than making progress and you need the help and encouragement of your brethren here to get back on the right track. However, we can be of help to you spiritually this morning. If you see yourself in need of responding to his invitation, won't you come down as we stand and as we sing?